Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, thanks for joining us today as we continue this sermon series studying the book of 1 Peter in the New Testament. Peter, the disciple of Jesus, uh, he wrote it to Christians who were facing opposition uh, to encourage them, told them that because Jesus is alive, they can have a living hope that never fades. Now, today's uh, message and section of 1 Peter that we're studying uh, aligns with the day that we honor in our church, which is International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church or Persecuted Christians. And what I hope you'll understand, do not close your eyes to it for any length of time, that in the world today, there is extraordinary Christian opposition and persecution. In fact, the International Society for Human Rights, this is a secular organization, not a Christian organization, they let out a report that says 80% of all religious freedom violations in the world today are directed against Christians. Many agree, many, many people agree that uh, actually the worst persecution of Christians in all of history is happening in our lifetime. Christians, followers of Christ, face poverty, are beaten, are tortured, are imprisoned for following their faith, for following Christ. Millions have died in just the last decade. Anybody who thinks that following Jesus Christ is easy is sadly mistaken. Being a Christian is not for wimps. It is not for weaklings. It is not for cowards. You must be willing to face rejection, opposition, criticism, disapproval. You must be willing to face pressure, harassment, opposition, if you truly live boldly for Christ. And today, I want to bring you uh, what I believe is the most encouraging message that you never wanted to hear, okay? Uh, Jesus promised his followers several different things. Uh, Let me first say what Jesus did not promise us. Jesus never promised that his followers would be rich. Uh, Jesus never promised uh, his followers that um, their plumbing would not back up or it would not rain on your vacation or uh, that your heart would not be broken by someone you love. Jesus never promised that if you follow him, uh, things would work out well for you and that you will live a comfortable life. No, Jesus told us if you are a follower of Christ, If you are set apart, if you are holy, if you are different, Jesus promised us that the world would oppose us. And that's actually what much of the Bible is about. The Bible is not a manual on how to escape suffering here on this earth. The Bible is a manual on how to endure suffering on this earth in a way that honors God, in a way that gets you eternal rewards. And today, I want to talk about hope when facing opposition. You don't escape it. You do find hope in it, absolutely. And I want to start today with the words of Jesus, and then we'll dive uh, into our section of 1 Peter today. By the way, if you missed any of these 1 Peter messages, uh, this really is a series 
um, and kind of needs to be weighted together. So make sure you've gone back and heard those parts if you missed some of those. But uh, let's look at these words of Jesus and then continue on in 1 Peter. Jesus said to his followers, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love to have you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of this world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. Now, why is it that Jesus was, suffered in the way he did? Well, uh, he came voluntarily and suffered for us. Uh, because God is holy and we are not, there's a punishment for sin. Suffering is the necessary punishment for sin, ultimately in death. Jesus took the punishment for sin on himself. He suffered uh, for your sin in your place. Now when you believe in him, when you identify with Christ, you do share in the suffering in this world, but you are released from suffering eternally in heaven. Just as Jesus rose from the dead, you will rise. So Peter is writing uh, his letter to first century Gentile Christians during a time of extreme persecution and oppression. Uh, remember we talked in week one about the Emperor Nero and what he was doing and uh, the things that he was starting to sanction uh, the suffering on for Christians and how these already opposed Jesus followers then faced extraordinarily, extraordinary persecution under this very, very evil man. You fast forward to today, and it really depends on what part of the world you live in. In fact, in the United States, persecution may not be as extreme, but it's very, very real. So wherever you live, the pendulum could swing on how severe it is. Some parts of the world, uh, you give your life to Christ, you start preaching Christ, uh, you may lose a, a family member. Or you may become a Christian and your family uh, kicks you out and you no longer have family. Um, in some parts of the world, you may be beaten or sent to a prison camp. In other parts of the world, you face loneliness and uh, family dysfunction, fallout from becoming a believer. You could have your home raided and removed of any literature or anything related to Christianity. Uh, many, many people in the world uh, face poverty for being a Jesus follower. And all of it is opposition that Jesus said would happen. I wanted to highlight just one area in the world today. Uh, let's watch this together. Today in Pakistan, we Christians are second-class citizens. Though we have committed no crime, we are ostracized and banished to the lowest place in society. Often we are forced to leave our villages and our own homes. 
We cannot get good jobs. And we have no voice in government. What is left for us is servitude. Sewage work. And we know we will never advance. church, a place where Christians come together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, to sing His praise, to study His word. For while our country has turned its back on us, God has not. Sometimes it is not easy. The loss, the injustice. So please remember to pray for us. That we will continue to live together in fellowship. That we will continue to see the joy of the Lord in our lives and that we will persevere in our faith no matter the cost. And please remember, we are praying for you. close of the message today. Uh, we are going to pray together, uh, but let's first dive into First Peter, and I pray that this would speak to someone today, that it would inspire your faith, that it would encourage you to live even more boldly for the one who came and lived boldly and gave his life for you. This is what Peter says in First Peter 4, chapter 12, or verse 12. Let's read this out loud together, please. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. He's telling these people that are hurting, do not be shocked, that if you're living boldly for Jesus, if you're set apart, if you're holy, if you're different, don't be shocked when, and this fiery ordeal, I mean, Peter could have been speaking very literally here, right? As Nero is taking Christians, dipping them in wax, setting them on fire, uh, they're getting tarred and lit on fire, homes uh, set on fire. 
but it's also take it as don't be surprised when you are when you face opposition because of your faith because of what you believe and you're going to face opposition when you stand for what you believe in you might say well I can't really think of a time that I've faced any opposition for my faith, that I've been ridiculed or criticized or pushed back or, or faced any opposition for, for what I believe in. And um, we'll start there and maybe try and understand why that might be. Uh, uh, to illustrate this, I just think of, you know, soccer season is coming to a close. So I, I think of a soccer game. And imagine I'm playing, uh, I'm playing a soccer game and you are the opponent. And let's just say that you're on the field playing and I'm on the bench. And I'm on the bench, but I'm not even watching the game. Instead, I'm just scrolling through stuff on my phone. I'm reading the news, social media. Uh, I'm streaming a show. I'm posting selfies. Uh, maybe, even, maybe even I'm reading a little bit about soccer, the history of soccer, the benefits of soccer. And then I'm flirting with a really cute cheerleader named Lauren, and uh, she's over there. And then for whatever reason, I've chosen, uh, you know, those things are kind of running dry. So I've chosen uh, that I'm going to get really upset about something really insignificant. And I'm looking around, and, and since I'm not in the game, man, I've been looking at these lines, and the lines that are painted on the field, on the pitch, uh, are not perfectly straight. They're not perfectly square, not perfectly rectangular. And so I start chirping to people about these lines and I'm yelling at the refs of like, hey, these lines aren't, aren't straight. They're not painted straight. Where are these line painters? And I've gotta, I'm gonna figure out why these lines aren't painted straight and how we can get these painted straight. And I'm just getting grumpier and grumpier and grumpier about that, not paying any attention to the game. Now, if you are my opponent, are you concerned about me impacting the actual game, yes or no? No. If on the other hand though, I got really, really focused and I get on the field and I'm not grumpy about stuff that doesn't matter, I'm grumpy about this game, I wanna win this game and I'm really focused and I'm getting good and all of a sudden I am a threat to score in this game and you're gonna do anything you can to stop me. I mean, the, the question is, is if that's my attitude, if that's who I am, are you then concerned about me, yes or no? Yes, and you're gonna do whatever you can to stop me. And the same is true when it comes to spiritual things. If you are on the Jesus team and you believe in Christ, but you're on the bench, in other words, you've got the jersey, but you're not in the game, and you'll show up, but you're not engaged, and, and, and you're not praying and asking God to do something and interceding on behalf of others and, and tapping boldly into the power of God and going before his throne of grace, believing that he could help people in their time of need. And you've got some gifts and talents, but you're not using them to further the kingdom. You could make a difference, you know it, but you let somebody else do that. You let somebody else play. You're not prayerfully asking, how can I use what God has given me the time, the money that he's given me, the talents, the resources to influence others, to be generous, to make a difference in this world. You believe in Jesus, but you're not representing him boldly. You're not sharing your faith. You've got the jersey, 
but you're upset about stuff that's gonna fade when the world does. You're upset about things, you're angry about things that don't matter. The same is true in that example that your enemy takes no notice of you. No opposition is necessary. You're doing a great job for them. The moment though you engage, you have a spiritual enemy who takes notice and you will face opposition. Do not be surprised, Peter said, at the fiery ordeal you're facing. You're in the game. Don't be surprised when you get on the front lines if you get shot at. You're making a difference. You're rattling the darkness of hell. Don't be surprised if you face opposition. And he says this. It's the most encouraging message you never wanted to hear. Verse 13. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Now, our culture is so convincing, so convincing that the most important thing for many of us is the pursuit of not identifying with Christ, not pursuing and participating in the sufferings of Christ, but our culture is so convincing that our top pursuit is comfort, and we, we idolize comfort. And some of that is natural. I mean, I would rather have a comfortable conversation with you than one that's confrontational. I mean, I, I would rather be speaking on something else today, okay? Uh, that's just natural. I'd rather have a nice day than a day that's full of pain. Uh, comfort is something we will often pursue, but sometimes we will begin pursuing it above or at all costs and we'll pursue comfort even in the name of Jesus. And our prayers start coming down to, dwindling down to, uh, God, help me have a good day today. God, bless us. God, keep us safe. God, don't let anything happen to me. Don't let anything happen to my family. God, watch over us today. Bless this food. Help our kids be good kids. Protect us. Keep us comfortable. Keep us safe. In the name of Jesus, who never promised a single one of those things, amen. <laughs> And essentially what we want is to avoid conflict at all costs, to dodge any opposition, and therefore take the path of least resistance. In fact, what I want to do today is I want to show you just a couple of cycles. I want you to think about these two cycles and ask yourself uh, which one of these represents you most. And the first one looks like this, and it's above all, we're going to buy into our culture's lie and idolization and we're going to pursue comfort we want to be happy and we we so when we pursue comfort it forces us in many ways to avoid any opposition that might be there I don't want to upset anybody I don't want to make anybody mad I don't want to rock the boat I just want to have a good day I just want to have a good job I just want to have a good life but the problem is when we avoid opposition our faith seems to weaken and we're not standing for anything. We're not passionate about much. And, our, and because our faith seems to weaken, uh, we don't feel very close to Christ. And then we wake up one day and we feel uh, very, very empty and that there's an emptiness that we want to fill. 
and life feels so empty, so we've got to do something. What, what are we going to do about it? We try to pursue comfort to ease an empty life. And maybe this thing or that place or that vacation or that relationship or that drink or whatever it is, maybe that will fill my void. And then the cycle repeats itself and repeats itself and repeats itself. But there is another way to live. And the only way to really live, to truly live, when you recognize that you are a foreigner in this world, that you are a stranger, a pilgrim, a sojourner, all those words that Peter has given us, that, that you're just passing through. This world is not your home, so don't find comfort in this world. This cycle looks like this. Instead, live boldly in this world. Uh, live boldly for Christ, sharing him, expressing his love, forgiving when it does not make sense, being unselfish when it does not make sense, standing up for your values and your convictions. And you're not taking the path of least resistance. When someone mocks God, you say something. When you're tempted to, to do something that goes against God's standard, uh, you take that, that value, that conviction seriously. You don't just take the path of least resistance to smoke that, drink that, cheat on that, watch that. It, when you're tempted to, to go against a value, you, you see that as opposition. You stand up against it. You're not letting fear or anxiety or frustration take over, but you're living in peace. You're staying on mission. You're not getting distracted. And suddenly when you live boldly, uh, guess what you do? You face opposition. Why? Because you're in the game. You're making a difference. But some strange thing happens when you face opposition is that your faith tends to strengthen. And muscles grow against resistance, don't they? It's not when muscles are comfortable that they grow. They grow when they face pressure, when they face opposition, when they face resistance. And then one day you wake up and you realize, well, I am now closer to Christ than I've ever been in my life. And what does it cause you to do? It causes you to live even more boldly. Now, look at both of them side by side, if you will, and just ask yourself, which cycle best represents my life? And I'm going to ask it this way. Not which one has represented your life best at one time in your life. I'm talking like in the last month or in the last week, which cycle has best represented you? Uh, are you letting something of the world drive your agenda, distract your thoughts, your emphasis, your life? You're getting comfortable in what the world thinks and what the world wants to talk about? Or instead, are you living boldly? Think, well, I'm not going to let the world set my agenda. I'm letting Christ set my agenda. And are you going through and you're, it's, you're facing opposition because that's not what the world wants you to think about. But you're realizing, well, I'm closer to Christ because of my obedience and it's stirring even more passionately your faith to be unselfish, to love others, to follow Christ. Which one would you say best represents your life in the past week? When you are different from this world, they will not always like you. They will start rumors about you. Uh, they'll lie about you. They'll oppose you. But these trials will make you partners with Christ. And then in verse 19, uh, which this is, this is starting to become my, my favorite verse in 1 Peter, we get these amazing words. 
So then, those who suffer according to God's will. So before this, he's, talking, he's not talking about those who are suffering for being a jerk, <laughs> those who are suffering for being a meddler, those who are suffering because of their sin, not just those who are suffering for any reason, uh, themselves inflicted or because of the suffering that we all face in this world, but those who are suffering according to God's will, meaning they're doing God's will. They're doing things that God wants them to do. What should they do? They should commit themselves to their faithful creator. Our creator is faithful and continue to do good. Commit and continue. Commit and continue. So I looked up this commit word. This is the same word uh, that Jesus uses on the cross where he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It means you're entrusting your life to your creator, your faithful creator. That when you suffer, don't run from God. He's the only one who can meet your needs. When Christ was suffering on the cross, he didn't abandon that mission. He said, Father, I commit myself to you even more fully. You entrust yourself even more deeply. Because here's the scheme. Here's the scheme we're fighting against. Satan's scheme is to use the sufferings of this world for you to run away from the only answer. For you to say, well, how could a good God let this happen? How can I believe in a God who, who stands watch on different things? And that's the Satan's scheme, is for you not to commit and continue, but to use the sufferings for you to abandon your faith. But you, can, you and I can defeat that scheme by recommitting ourselves to our faithful creator. When your life is committed to God, uh, you don't care what others say or do to you. You continue to do good. Here's the principle. Here's the principle that, that I want to put on the table today. And it's a principle to live by. That in any area of your life, in every area of your life, in your family, in your finances, in your relationships, in your work life, whenever you're pressured or opposed in any of your life, write this in. Do what is right and then trust God with the results. We as Jesus followers, we do what is right. (laughs) Right, not according to ourselves. Like there's lots of times where like, man, it would seem right to do this right now. But no, what's right? It's what Christ would say to do, what God's word says to do. So not according to ourselves, not according to anything, but the word of God. We do what is right in our relationships and then we trust God. As Jesus followers, what do we do? We do what is right and then we trust God with the results. As long as you're suffering for doing something good, keep on doing good. It may be that you do what is right and you suffer for it, but you're entrusting yourself, you're committing yourself to your heavenly father. Keep on doing that and God will never ever fail you. What do we do? We are holy, so we do what is right. We trust God with the results. Friend, if you are like this world, the world will love to have you as its own. You will not be opposed. You will not be persecuted. If you are a follower of Jesus, you cannot be like this world. 
you won't raise your kids like this world. You won't use money like this world. You'll have different morals, different values from this world. You'll be different at school. You'll be different at work. And if you are not like this world, guess what? The world will hate you at times. Is that fun? It's not fun. But it gives you a living hope. Life is not empty. Let me show you these slides one more time. Look at it again. And just ask yourself, which one best represents my life? Are you like most people where life is about you, pursuing your comfort? I'm going to get as much as I can out of this world that I can get. I'm going to avoid opposition. Therefore, I have a weak faith. Life is empty. And on this continual path and pursuit of something that's going to matter. Or have you died to yourself and Christ is living boldly through you? And yes, you face some opposition, but your faith is strong and you're closer to Christ than ever before. And it continues to build your faith. And then this is what Peter says in 1 Peter 5. We've got one more week of this series, so we're going to study 1 Peter 5 more next week. But, but watch how this ends. Watch where he gets to in verse 8. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, and then he reminds us who the enemy is. Like, your enemy isn't the one who's persecuting you. Your enemy isn't the one who's oppressing you. The enemy isn't the one who, who you see giving opposition. Your enemy is actually the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know, and this is what we're thinking about this weekend, that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of of sufferings. This is what Peter says, wrapping this up. I love the fact that he's speaking directly to people that are really uh, grieving and persecution. And I do not miss the, the fact that today that there are many people in our church that are grieving all different kinds of things right now in this life, in this time, in this season. So take this word as it is for you. That is, and the God of all grace who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast? To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. After you have suffered a little while, God himself will restore you. After you have suffered for a little while, God himself will strengthen you. After you have suffered for a little while, God himself will confirm you. After you have suffered for a little while, God will establish you and you will be steadfast. Living hope allows us to face our sufferings with confidence in what is to come. That you will win the battle. And I know it feels like you might be losing right now, and you look around the world and say, man, it sure just does feel like Christians lose a lot. But short-term suffering leads to long-term glory. It looked devastating at the cross. It looked like Christ had lost. What do we find? There is victory at the cross because he rose from the dead. And God will, himself will restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Before we pray today, I wanted to share one more video with you. Uh, it's the story of the founders of Voice of the Martyrs, Richard and Sabina Wormbrand. Uh, this couple, the Wormbrands, are considered 
by many, many people around the world to be uh, some of the greatest Christians, greatest Christian leaders in history. Uh, Voice of the Martyrs, the organization that they founded, uh, has made a movie about their life. I've not seen it yet. Uh, you can access it at the website they give at the end. Uh, but this video is about part of their, their life, what they faced. Uh, it's in, the setup is in 1945, communists have seized Romania and attempted to take control of the churches. They wanted to go through and control every church. So Pastor Wormbrand began an effective, vigorous underground ministry uh, ministering to oppressed believers. Ended up ministering to as well many of the Russian soldiers that were occupying his country. This is part of what happened. Let's watch this. On February 29th, 1948, a pastor was kidnapped from the streets of Romania. He would disappear for 14 years and endure horrific torture for his refusal to renounce Christ. And in the midst of this suffering, he witnessed the incredible power of Christ's love. After being arrested, I spent the next three years in a solitary cell. It was enough to drive any man mad. The martyr Savonarola wrote, there are those who believe in God and those who, just as sincerely, believe that they believe. Now I had to ask myself, did I believe in God? That we are persecuted but not abandoned. So please do not abandon us. My wife Sabina had also been arrested. Eskideusha! Sabina Wurbrand! My son Mihai. Left orphan. Sabina would spend the next 18 months in a slave labor camp on the Danube. Sabina! Sabina! my darkest hours, my only hope was in prayer. Of course, in prison, prayer was forbidden. In spite of the beatings, I prayed every day, 
I prayed God would give me strength to endure. And of course, I prayed for my family. feet were beaten so often and so brutally, I would never walk normally again. I'm sorry if a crocodile eats a man, but I cannot reproach the crocodile. I had learned the same can be said of my torturers. Communism had stripped them of any form of humanity and only God's love could restore them. Băiatul tău nu mai are casă, nevastă ta e arestată! Viața ta e distrusă, mă băiatule, și tu te rogi în continuare la Dumnezeu al tău care nici măcar n-are chip! Pentru ce căcate mai rogi, mă? Pentru ce te mai rogi tu acum? Mă rugam pentru tine. I hated the sin, but never the sinner. And some, we even won to Christ. pray with me please God Heavenly Father there's so much to pray about so many in need we look today at some in uh, Pakistan but there are many throughout the world uh, 70,000 imprisoned in North Korea um, abused in Iraq uh, illegal in many countries too many to even name uh, but you know them all and are present with them God, we don't overlook those in our own nation, community, in our church who uh, face pressure and opposition. And they're following you has affected their relationships, uh, their work, their health. Uh, but Lord, uh, we know that you are uh, with all of us. You are with believers. And we don't deserve to come to you in prayer today and ask you of anything, but you encourage us to do so. You invite us to do so, so we obey. We obey you, and we come to you in prayer. We pray that uh, we would sense your presence. You are our faithful creator. You are faithful to us. Give us a deep, abiding knowledge of your presence. That those who are suffering today, facing opposition, 
uh, here and uh, Lord, all around the world, that they would be reminded today that the church is standing together today to commit ourselves to you and continue to do good. God, we realize that Christ did not come to make us comfortable, but he did come to give us comfort. Comfort in the midst of pain, persecution, pers- perspective beyond uh, the trials and temptations of this world. In the face of opposition, we know that's when your church is purified. The message is purified and holy. Causes more to be saved. So God, all around the world, please open more doors for more to be saved. We thank you for uh, Bible translators and uh, those willing to go where it's illegal or where your word has never been. God, give them, give us boldness. We want to care more about what you think than what other people think. We want to care more about your mission than any other mission we could conjure up. God, help us to be righteously angry today about what you're upset about, not the things that the world, our culture, our own flesh have given us. But let us be righteously upset about holy things today. God, help us to care more about your approval than anybody else's. Dear God, we want to become brave people of your word. We ask you to give uh, courage to those with living with conviction uh, in these hostile areas in the world. God, it, it takes so much wisdom to live here, especially in areas where believers have to be covert and cunning with their evangelism and their ministry. God, your word says your uh, Holy Spirit abides, is present with us. Uh, when we are asked questions we do not know the answers to, when we are pressured, interrogated. So God, please uh, bring an extra measure of wisdom uh, to these persecuted Christians. God, we recognize today this is not all there is. This is not the Christian's home. It's why you could forgive your persecutors. And by the same power and perspective, the suffering today can forgive those in opposition. So God, we lift up the persecutors to you. God, save more. Use it uh, for your glory, Lord. God, we see throughout history of what you're doing that even great persecutors like the Apostle Paul could come to faith in Christ and spread your word. God, we pray that all this would be rooted in your word, that we would be rooted in your word, bringing scripture to mind uh, when we are tempted. God, bring scripture to our mind when we are tempted. God, bring your word to mind uh, when these uh, people who are imprisoned, lonely, hungry, destitute, they've had scripture uh, stripped from their lives. God, through the power of your spirit, bring your word to their mind. And God, we just recognize again today that we are all sinners. We, have, uh, n- we do not live up to who you are. And we call on the name of Jesus. Who is Jesus? The sinless Son of God, perfect in every way, who came obedient even to death on a cross. He died in our place for the forgiveness of our sins. He was risen by God so that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. And so God, today we are trusting in Jesus who lived a life, a perfect life that we could never live He died in our place. He rose from the dead. We turn toward Jesus and we say yes to him today. Lord, we need you. Jesus, how we need you. 
It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.